Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift here with Benji after a late finish of Stage 2 of the men's tour down under, starting in Brighton, going down to Victor Harbour, unseasonably cold conditions again. It did warm up a little bit at the end. Uh, by warm up, I mean like 20, 22 degrees and sunny. When they started, it was pretty chilly. It was not that hard, of course, but it was kind of something for the climbing sprinty boys, 155Ks. There were some rolling hills before. The two intermediate sprints were on either side of a sort of a 1k 9% climb the main climb of the day was nettle hill down not just north of victor harbour it's 2k's 8% and it does have a steep bit right at the end the last 500 meters pretty hard but 22k's from the finish in 155k stage really should be brought back any moves like 90% of the time one would think there is a rise green hills road after that and we had Betiol in the leader's jersey, who, Benji, I think I think Betiol was here on a holiday, and the plan was not for him to be in the leader's jersey. That's the feeling. I've got I the get. same feeling. I've got the same feeling at this race. But it started off with an intermediate sprint um, pretty early on, and rider that took it was Mark Bristenga, the track boy. Uh, took three seconds there, which is completely relevant. Baj got second, also relevant. But no, no, he's close Matthews, on GC. He was Baj close on Bristenga. GC. Bristenga, he did a really good prologue. Yeah, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I don't rate him to get over course crew <laughs> no, with the best riders. I don't know why I'm defending him. <laughs> I've been the biggest Bristenga hater ever. <laughs> Just trying to the guy's done something, you know. Santos TDU intermediate one sprint he won. He's back. <laughs> He's legendary now. He's going to get over the Pajo. He's going to win everything. Anyway, Can I just highlight one thing there? Sorry, because it is relevant to what was said after the race. Matthews closed to Bristenga's wheel in the intermediate sprint. Yeah. Or very close to the barriers. And who was it? Paj, not Tyson. It was Ugo Paj. Paj. Was just sprinting in a straight line on the barriers. And he had to sort of, he got squished a little bit and he had to almost hit, but he did hit. Bling's right hand. He apologized to Matthews, but really Matthews just sprinted from the left to the right side of the road and nearly squeezed him into the barriers. So just bear that in mind for what was said after the race. Okay. Matthews got one second there, got the third spot. So a tiny bit more in GC, which was very beneficial for him. So I think after that intermediate sprint, he was still pretty happy about it. Then Echelons occur at 100k to go. It was uh, UAE that smashed it together with Jayco that also was the team most prominent in the front group. So those riders were basically with a smaller group ahead, I think 25 roughly people, 25, 30 people. I would say, were there any big riders that were missing out on these echelons? Because I didn't really, well, I was sleeping, so. <laughs> Hater. Um, okay. It was Berriol. No, Berriol was there. Uh, there yeah. were a few riders behind, but I think UAE decided with bling there it really wasn't worth it like sheffield had made it bling had made it 
what are they going to do, ride for 100Ks? I remember a couple of quicks at Riles were off the back and they were fighting for the time cut for their life. But, yeah, it came back together <laughs> um, in the end. So, But it is clear that UAE had a plan to use the parkour and be aggressive. And there was ne- – oh, there was a second intermediate as well. Corbin Strong looked the quickest there. He beat Matthews. Bediol did contest it. He came third. Ineos did a lead out for – like they did a reverse lead out with Hyduk, I think. And then yeah. Hayden was kind of there, and then Sheffield was kind of contesting it. Uh, I couldn't really – I think a reverse lead-out or an early lead-out with Hyduk actually wasn't a bad plan um, to take away seconds. Um, yeah. But, it, yeah, it just didn't work. Anyway, Matthews takes more bonus seconds, two extra ones, and we're not even at the finish of this stage. We're now moving towards Nettle Hill, which is that, that deciding climb on this race, and we noticed that plenty of teams are trying to get – as fast as possible to the front of the, the peloton because it's all going to matter your positioning going into this climb. And Nathan Hill became a moment that was not only defining when it comes to GC in this entire race, I think, but also a moment where we saw some people attack, which is very intriguing. And the biggest victim was Michael Matthews. Like, we went into this climb. All the breakaway riders called, by the way. And at a certain point, it was early on in the climb, Michael Matthews was by the side of the road. Did you have any clear idea what the issue was? Seemed like just a mechanical. He dropped his chain quite badly. It got jammed on the inside and he couldn't get it out. And he said after the race he was in good position and then two riders bumped him. He didn't know exactly what happened. Riders bumped him in the fight and the climb and he dropped his chain on the inside and he said there's no respect in the bunch. doesn't know what's happening in World Tour Cycling <laughs> anymore these days. Um, which I actually – I don't fully – I guess agree with that maybe, but I do agree in the sense that the last two days of racing have been extremely hectic, much more hectic and nervous and stressful than I expected. Now, I will caveat that by saying the first two hours of this stage, apart from the crosswinds, were some of the most boring cycling you'll ever see. There was a cross headwind. There was no break. Like, it was... It was tough. It was like they were going, you, luckily you were asleep, Benji. You missed it. It was like when Philipson got <laughs> off his bike at UAE to run. They were doing that. It was really – that's why they finished so late. <laughs> um, but, I, yeah, I agree. Like it has been really hectic and nervous and loads of crashes and guys like Tour de France like style fighting for position and space. It's – I don't know. Is it a points thing? Is it just it's so hard to get wins now and team or is it teams are more professional now and they're like, well, fuck, if we're not Ineos, UAE or Yumbo, we, we got to try win World Tour races at the other races too. Well, I think we've seen it over a, a few years now where I feel like the first races in the season are also more nervous than, for example, the races in March or April because not only do these teams want to get off the bat initially directly winning their first races, but the riders might be a bit rusty when it comes to their reactions. And because of that, a bit of nervousness is created. Some riders that have their first races in World Tour here at this very race. So all that combined can create nervousness. And we saw that happen, but it it is kind of ironic that Matri says there's no respect after at that intermediate sprint going from one side to the other side, basically uh, nearly shoving Paj to the side. So uh, I have that in mind and I'm like, well, man, maybe not the best day to say that comment, Michael Matthews, or am I, am I in the wrong there? Yeah. Like I think I don't, I don't really believe in the respect hierarchy. I obviously riders shouldn't do dangerous things, but riders shouldn't be, riders don't have a right to a position 
because of what they've won in the past. I don't yeah. believe in that uh, at all. So, um, yeah, that's and modern cycling reflects that. Neo pros come in and they're like, I'm good, I'm here, too bad. Like, I don't care what you've done before. And, I, uh, you know, Sagan yeah. mentioned it as well before. Anyway, Matthews, as almost the same time he has a mechanical, not related because he's at the back of the bunch. And I think pretty sure this was Vine's plan. Anyway, Vine just launches on Nettle Hill um, off the front. He's initially got like a, I don't know, 20 meter gap and he's sort of yep. holding it stable. He's not like sprinting or anything. It's not like an Alaphilippe puncher attack. But then uh, the group starts to thin out and he's obviously doing a really hard pace and a, a, maybe it's Aliotti from Bora starts chasing. Simon Yates yep. we see. Now, Bike Exchange didn't have a good day. Jaco, sorry, didn't have a good day. But they did very quickly communicate and save it from being the worst day ever. Yates was on the front pulling back Vine. He then hears Blinks had a mechanical. He pulls off. And within 10 seconds, he's already chasing himself. Because he's no help bringing Bling back on the flat. Yeah. So they put him up and it and he chases Vine, bridges across. That is... Really good communication, really good tactics because him being there slowed down Vine for a little bit and then he could brought back for his own GC. But who else bridged across? Well, we saw that the Oliotti rider, if it was Oliotti, just a Bora rider, tried to bridge up with Yates, but that failed. So Jai Hindley was the next one to try and bridge over. That Bora rider tried to help Hindley a tiny bit in that effort, but it didn't really help too much, I'd say. Hindley did bridge over, and a bit later, Rohan Dennis also followed, and Mauro Schmidt from Quickstep. And it was kind of a gap behind that, and this was just before the top. So we crossed the top, Jay Vine basically taking the... The point, so he's now a new KOM leader after this day, if I recall correctly, ahead of his teammate, Kovi. Now, pretty much, let's be honest, KOM is pretty relevant for Jay Vine, I think, in this race. He's going for GC. And that is very important because those five riders going over the top and having a solid gap on the other riders in the race means that Jay Vine is technically the GC leader now. So that's something we have to keep in mind now. Jay Vine in this five-man group is GC leader. The five-man, I repeat, are Jay Vine, Simon Yates, Jai Hindley, Rohan Dennis, and Mauro Schmidt. If we take a look at that group, that's a pretty damn strong group with riders from five different teams, meaning that the chase itself will be done by riders like Aja Dezer, right? For O'Connor. And well. a team that messed up. <laughs> a big team that messed up. As in, they were pacing on the climb. Tease it before the plug. Tease it before the plug. Okay. Swift Hub, you already know <laughs> the best value trainer in the market. It's even better value now before, well, now we have the Strava Challenge finishing on the 29th of January in 10 days. There's already 111,000 participants. That's if they all buy a Zwift Hub, 111,000 times 50 is 5 million US dollars plus. That's how much you can all get off a Zwift Hub if you're already in the Strava Challenge. If you don't know what the Zwift Hub is, it's the best value direct drive trainer with power. It has a built-in power meter that matches your levels on on climbs if you're on erg mode, but you can also feel every climb and descent with automatic resistance. It comes with a pre-installed cassette, and you can get $50 or £50 or €50 Euros off if you're in North America or Europe uh, or the UK. So all you got to do is complete 25 kilometers of riding on the challenge on Strava, and then those tokens will come through shortly, we understand. Uh, they'll Don't expect them to drop immediately, but you will get those discount tokens if you complete the 25Ks. Anyway, Benji, 
Ineos and Israel. Now, I don't know where Strong was. It, it is really difficult to know exactly where Strong was and Hater, but we have a situation where they're 25 seconds up the road and no one's really chasing. Yep. And the jersey's going up the road. Yates, Yates had to wait for Matthews and not pull. Matthews was a minute behind. Yates wasn't a dick. He just sat on the back. He didn't like actively interrupt the, the move. And as you said, like three three trucks, like Dennis, Schmidt, and Vine are pretty damn strong on rolling terrain, which is what we have, like a 3%, 3K climb. Like you couldn't yep. And Himley was pulling strong too. So they were pulling really hard. And you're right, like Ineos, I don't understand, Benji. Like this group will stay away to the final. Ineos have Sheffield who started the day third on GC, maybe eight seconds behind. If they catch that group, Sheffield goes into the leader's jersey because Bling has been dropped. Sorry, Sheffield starts second on GC behind Bling. Bling is gone. He's a minute behind. Yeah. You know, why are Ineos, to me what it looks like based on the results, is Hater didn't pull to sort of save for the bunch sprint because he did what he's been doing this whole race, which was at the intermediates, which was to kind of be there and then just not contest it, but just kind of be there. He obviously was like in the group. He finished, where did he finish in the group? Seventh in the bunch sprint behind. So he's obviously like not just freewheeling, but he's also not contesting. So what's the point of that? In what other situation would you have a guy who is basically in the leader's jersey if they catch the group ahead and they finish with four riders in the group. And Sheffield too should be pulling. Why isn't Sheffield pulling on the front? Yeah, I don't get that either because we see that Plap is the only one of that Ineos team that we see on screen yeah. pulling in that group. And it was after a tiny bit, so it wasn't instantly either. So Luke Plap's the rider that on paper, in my eyes, is the best one for the climb, corkscrew climb tomorrow on, on stage three. But even if you look past that, Sheffield should be pulling because the GC riders in the front group are pulling anyway. And like, it's not like Sheffield needs to save himself for a final sprint. Even Hater, that's, this is where they need to decide, eh? Are they going to actually believe in Magnus Sheffield here? Or are they not going to believe in Magnus Sheffield? Because I feel like they should at this point. He's their best opportunity right now in GC to take the lead. Even Hater should probably be helping out to make sure Magnus Sheffield gets the best possible solution in GC here and it also helps Hater for GC because if they miss out on the stage with Caleb Ewan for example winning the sprint props to Caleb Ewan for making that second group by the way that's a pretty strong effort but yeah Ineos should have done better should have decided better I'm kind of surprised that they missed up on the climb itself that they weren't able to get in that front group either perhaps that's just because they weren't good enough Hater was probably more towards the back of the group than towards the front at that point anyway because we know how how he rides in the peloton. But when it comes to Plap, I kind of expected him to be up there. Or am I overrating him? I mean, maybe he's had to do work before. I feel like yeah. he's kind of been put in a domestique role. He's been eating a lot of wind. I don't know. He's been going for the KOM yeah. points. But I'll just say, like, very rarely will you see, and I know, you know, like, oh, it's two down under whatever. No, no, no. Through Algarve, Andalusia, whatever, very rarely will you see a team who would go into the leader's jersey have multiple riders in a group, not chase a group 20 seconds ahead. Very rarely do yeah. you see that. So that was, that was surprising. And listen, Sheffield might just get spat on Corkscrew tomorrow 
and it doesn't matter. But yeah, even so, um, and that might be the case because if he was good enough, maybe he should have followed on the climb today. Um, so maybe Corkscrew he won't be able to follow. It is important to note that we had Betiol, who was in that group that apparently uh, was not in that group a bit later because I, I found it really weird what happened because it was like on this small false flat uphill section where Betiol and the teammate were like moving backwards in the group while that second group was chasing that front group of five riders and Betiol couldn't follow anymore. And at first I was like, is this him dropping? Because it kind of looked like him dropping, but then he stopped completely, which made me suggest it was a mechanical, but then the commentator start, started talking about cramping quadriceps, and I don't know what he had anymore. Like, he just <laughs> was out of race. He needed annual leave, mate. He's owed annual leave. He's had to work two extra days <laughs> that he wasn't expecting <laughs> the last two days. <laughs> he had to catch up. Um, nah, I don't know. He, he was, like, playing with the bike for a bit. The Swanier came over and starts looking at the bike, like, you got a mechanical? And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't know. Um, he was like I insulting mean, poor, in, yeah. in like Italian. <laughs> he was like the most angry Betiol in a while. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, mate, maybe he's genuinely cramped. I mean, I'm being facetious. He contested one of the intermediate sprints yeah. and came third. Um, he obviously would have liked to have kept the jersey, but I don't think he – I don't – hot take, I don't think Alberto Betiol peaked for TDU. I think he has bigger targets. <laughs> Uh, later in the year, and they were here mainly for Honoré and Quinn, who crashed in the prologue. Anyway, Aji Tuara pulling for Ben O'Connor's GC, uh, which is fine. Israel were yep. not – I don't think Israel had too many numbers. I, But, yeah, there's Corbin Strong's GC going up in smoke too. And basically, we have this group going through to the final. It does – the gap does come down a fair bit. It was 40 seconds, 30. They do obviously start to play around a bit in the last five kilometers. Not full non-cooperation, but people are clearly mm, holding back a little bit, trying to recover. Yeah. On paper, Schmidt is one of the quickest in the group. Simon Yates also hasn't been pulling. He does start pulling in the last five or seven Ks because he gets word on the radio that Bling is so far behind that he's now the GC leader. Again, completely correct uh, move from them. But he doesn't attack. I thought there was going to be a Simon Yates flyer at some point. And what ends up happening is Vine stops working because Dennis was kind of sitting at the back. Then Hindley's allowed to roll off the front. And so Schmidt, I think it is, gets lent on to yep. bring him back. Schmidt gets bullied badly in this final. Um, <laughs> you need to have a word to your boy, Benji. The, like yeah. the Australians want it more. So <laughs> make, the Australian, <laughs> make the Australians do it. They want it more. Um, maybe in Swiss he'll have to do it. But he gets lent on to bring back that Hindley move. That cooks both Hindley and his legs. And then, oh, no, that's not true. I'm lying. Yates doesn't counterattack. Then in the last corner, Hindley's up the road. Dennis, really smart move. Hindley's up the road just ahead. Schmidt is leading into the corner. Dennis does three hard pedal strokes, comes up the inside, and Vine is pinched off. Vine can't follow his wheel or chooses not to. Vine then takes the calculated risk. I'm going to try and let Schmidt close this down. Schmidt can't. Dennis has got a gap through the corner with that momentum. And as he gets to Hindley, and remember Dennis' background, like, and Dennis was fast in like Romandy, and he, he's yeah. he's like 500 meter fast, you know, in the and saddle. Uphill. Was the that turns Romandy? one, Swiss or Romandy yeah. or something. He's low key fast <laughs> for like over 500 meters. Yeah. And, he, you know, he's against Yates and Vine and, and Hindley here. 
Um, and he's brilliant move. He's got them off the back, his back wheel. He bridges across the Henley, just goes straight past them without you know a second's hesitation, and you're not bringing back Rowan Dennis. And even though Vine, probably the best sprint I've actually seen him do, um, he was strong. He gapped Henley and I think Schmidt off the wheel pretty much, and Yates. Um, I was surprised because Yates is low-key fast, but Vine comes second. Dennis wins the stage, a big win for him. Like you know, it takes the. Uh, I was about to say yellow yep. jersey. It is an important <laughs> race, but it is not a yellow jersey. Takes the ochre jersey as well with Vine coming second, Schmidt third. Same time him and Yates. They gave uh, Dennis two seconds, two on the road, which is important. Hinley on five seconds, and then Ewan led the group behind in sixth with obviously lots of people on the same time. No bonus seconds. So revised GC. Dennis goes into the lead three seconds ahead of Vine. Sheffield stays in third uh, on 12 seconds, loses a few seconds, and then Schmidt moves up 22 spots into fourth, strong in fifth on 14 seconds, Barge in sixth on 14, and Groves, Meyerhofer, Nicky Assance in ninth. Uh, don't know how, <laughs> but Scottson's in 10th <laughs> on GC. Um, I guess because like Bauhaus got hard dropped is my working yeah. theory on that one. Yeah, that is indeed the case. He was in the same group as Michael Matthews. I think Gary Thomas was also in that group, if my memory serves me right. Let me quickly check it. Yeah, that's the case. Yeah, he Thomas got was dropped also with in that group, But yeah, he's he's on holiday as well in Australia. So he's uh, he's having Betty old vibes on the beach right now. Now, I would say that there's a lot to say about these like five riders up front because like Simon Yates early on in the season, I wasn't expecting that much from him. So he was a bit better than I expected. I expected him to be like a domestique role here for Matthews, but he was forced out of that because of that puncture by Matthews and I think they solved that really well for the situation they were put in that he didn't attack towards the end could also be the case that the tempo in that five-man group was probably quite proper so well I think we need to keep that in mind as well Schmidt Dennis and so forth were probably going pretty all out to keep that group ahead well because that it was still a storm in Peloton behind that was trying to get them caught I would note that when it comes to the second group seeing Caleb Ewan get over that climb Groves and so forth Penoe Paul Penoe from Group Pampma also Pretty strong, and they're able to beat Ethan Hater after that climb is also pretty uh well, pretty strong as well. But then again, we don't know what's up with Hater at the moment, so uh, I can't judge that too much. But I would argue that my first reaction after this race was Mauro Schmidt. Can he get over the Pajo? And with the performance that he showed in Montreal and here, I'd say yes. So for Milano Sanremo, Quickstep has an extra rider that gets over the Pajo if they send him to that race, which. Changed the, changed the dynamic of that race and the team at that race quite a bit as well. But Because, like, are they going to go all out with Alaphilippe then on that climb? Or are they going to try and get two riders over the top and then see if they can ride away after the Pajo? You never know, eh? But I feel like that's something I kept in mind. And I said that at the end of last year. Mauro Schmidt, I'm very bullish on him for 2023. And I'm still very bullish on him for 2023, especially with what he showed here. But then again, he had a strong start to the season last year as well with the um, Saudi Tour. Yeah, the one with Von Hills with Trago and Von Hills, yeah, yeah. So was strong there, but the question is, can he pull that through? And what races will he pull that through? And will he do the cobbles for their team? I'd love to see what he has to offer this year. And he's one of the riders I've got pretty high up with, with a potential breakthrough in this year. And when it comes to his contract, I'm pretty sure he's still stuck. Oh, it's actually contract year, so he might actually properly break through with that in mind as well, because then. He might have a few extra options by the end of the year. Will be intriguing. And before he goes to Tudor Pro Cycling in, 
in Goncharov's game, but <laughs> yeah. uh, he she's got a contract too. Is he going? To, he's going to tutor pro, right? Imagine if all the Swiss riders just go to Tudor Pro. Maida, <laughs> I know he's under contract. Yeah, every Swiss rider. Kung breaks his contract. <laughs> it goes there. It's just a Swiss national team. Um, very interesting finish to, a, to the stage, which started slowly. Like really, actually, this stage was much, much better than I thought it would be, partially due to the bad luck that must be said Matthews had. I think if Matthews doesn't have the mechanical... This stage is completely different. Even if he is gapped by five seconds, Yates gets on the front, everyone else in Jaco gets on the front, and I think this move gets brought back. Um, but it is what it is. He had the mechanical. Uh, it's a real big shame for him. I think he was the red-hot favorite for it, but you know these things happen, and that's the beauty of having Simon Yates in a shadow leader role. Now it won't be a complete... Yep disaster based on cork through tomorrow so that is the stage tomorrow 117 k's from norwood uh lap around the hills but no not doing any really big hills except checker hill which is does have a steep pinch in, in it and then they do the corkscrew 2.4 k's 8.5 percent roughly with a very steep section through the switchbacks then a 6k descent six and a half k descent into Campbelltown, it's a shorter finish than the women's, a K and a half less of uh, false flat descent to navigate. So it does suit the attackers a little bit more. And I think Corkscrew is harder than Nettle Hill, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it 1% is. harder and a bit longer. And a, a longer, steeper section too, and then only 6K is downhill to the finish. What do you think happens tomorrow? Well, I expect uh, the thing with corkscrew as well is that it's the kind of stage that isn't very hard before the climb. So depending on echelon stuff could happen. But if we get to corkscrew with the entire peloton, positioning at the bottom will be very much key. And that's where, for example, an Ethan Hater might be in trouble a bit. That's where, for example, where, I don't know, Javine's positioning going into a climb like this. Do you rate them already at positioning? Or yeah. would you say that yeah. it's still dangerous at the moment? UA team okay. I trust you in that. fucking on point today. The whole team. Also, when it comes to the echelons, they were really on point early on as well. So they were clearly properly educated on the parkour, what could happen throughout. And that's Kobe, a big improvement from some Kobe races. Kobe can last do year. a hard lead out too. Should do a hard lead out yeah, but on that climb. He's going for the KOM points, man. <laughs> <laughs> he can go on the KOM points for Checker Hill. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious what, what should happen tomorrow. If you're UAE, you should have yeah, Finn Fisher Black or whoever pace make sure yep. vine's in good position then have covey and he or she just launch vine and vine try and go clear because if yates goes with him if hinley goes with him if o'connor goes with him not a problem he has to drop rowan yep. dennis dennis is the man he needs to drop dennis was really strong and what i see happening is vine gapping him in the switchbacks and then on those that straight bit at the end i think yeah. dennis can come back a little bit or bring back some time it should be an exciting finish because the problem for dennis is he casings out he he can't really rely on who's here tim van dyke yeah. like it is all on dennis we're now looking at a gc as well where like a corman strong is still on fifth on 14 seconds like that rider on paper should be dropping out of the top five on corkscrew unless he unless he really shows that he can be somewhat punchy towards the point that he can follow these riders that we're talking about a violence and so forth but i rate him just under that i rate him to be in the the second group basically on the road but 
I'm willing to see it because I'm quite bullish on Corbin Strong throughout the season as well. Or a New Zealand Zebra. Now, when it comes to Rash, Ugo Page and so forth, Gaten Groves, Corkscrew is not for them in my opinion. And it's really coming down to also Ineos because they weren't strong enough on today's climb, as in on Nettle Hill, but they are still not out of contention when it comes to GC. Ethan Hatcher is still on 21 seconds. Plap is still on 24 seconds. These riders can still enter the top 10, if not the top 5 of the right circumstances start. So I don't think they Sheffield's should give up. I don't think they should third. just throw it away. Yeah, Sheffield as well on 12 seconds. But <laughs> what are you going to do now? What are you going to do on that climb? Do you know 100% before Corkscrew who of the three is going to be the strongest? Um, <laughs> probably Plap. Probably plat. <laughs> the um, last one in GC of the tree. <laughs> that's the problem, you know. Like it's so much. I think they have to go for Sheffield, and if he hard drops, then it's too bad. Um, I I think what you should basically have is, you know, when it's when it really gets going, have Plap sitting on you know Vine or whoever, yeah, and then have. Sheffield on Plaps wheel. If Sheffield drops his wheel, you know, except for literally at the crest, yeah. Then if Sheffield drops, Plaps should be able to go for his own result at that point. Um, and that's, I think, that's a good way to balance both ambitions. Uh, but yeah, if because yeah, if, if Sheffield drops at the base, just like when Alexandra Manley dropped at the base, there's no point Ruby Roseman Gannon waiting at that point. Their GC is gone. I think you still need to give Sheffield a chance. Yeah, I think that's the case as well. And by the way, a bit of a shout out to Lorenzo Germani, the guy that you saw on the on the Zwift trainer earlier this week. He uh he's actually still in like the top fifteen of GC, twenty years old, one of the Groupama FDG Conti boys, also looking pretty strong here. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's in the top ten tomorrow after a strong performance on Corkscrew. Now, a run that we haven't spoken about for this is Fable Bao, because it's a descent finish. If he gets with those clients, he should have been there today, no? Well, that's the thing. It's like, what if Vine just surprised everybody and actually there's some other strong climbers here who just were taken by surprise, like O'Connor or Bill Bow? I don't really know. Whereas like Corkscrew, everyone knows it's about to kick off. Yeah. Um, so that's different. I'll be interested to see. Um, but my pick for the win, I think... Seb, Seb Berwick will come top three but get beaten in the sprint. He's going clear on corkscrew, baby. Has to. Um, <laughs> you and Seb Berwick, it's like a love line. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Yates. I think Yates beats Vine and Berwick in a sprint, but Vine takes the Oka jersey. Dennis is just a bit behind. Okay, I said I was bullish on Mauro Schmidt, but when it comes to his finishing, was a bit. Oh, stressful He's not that fast, is he? Well, on paper, he should be. I've seen him done faster stuff in the past, but it's like it's like he doesn't have the, the clutch gene, as we as we sometimes say. He don't have the dog in him. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have the dog in him, but maybe Bowman, that will form put him in, in the, the barriers. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we're going to see a victory. By the way, Moscon is not doing horrendous eater like he's 23rd in this race still so maybe this is oh, the year of the comeback 23rd in tdu after two stages <laughs> come on man. well it is the first astana rider so well, so technically he's they're on the attack very today. well Boaro and Grushjev, thank god somebody 
<laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think tomorrow's stage is going to be won by. I can't believe you're not. Oh, it's so boring him. to say Jay Vine. It's so boring to say Mauro Schmidt as well. I, I kind of want to go for Bilbao just for the for the sake of, but he was so invisible today. Who who am I supposed to be? What are you saying? Kovi. Kovi. He's fast. But he's no, nah, he's gonna go for Jay Vaughn. If if Kovi goes for himself tomorrow, he's Will fucking. Will Kovi go for Vaughn? Will he? <laughs> he should. Are you sure? Are you sure? He should. <laughs> he should. <laughs> <laughs> if he know. doesn't that's stupid <laughs> <laughs> I mean maybe he gets over with him and they you know Vine leads him out because Kobe's faster that's that could happen too yeah but uh, you know. if that happens then they're potentially giving away bonus seconds that a J Vine might be able to get a decent sprint because he out sprinted some people today so yeah yeah um, even if it comes down to that well maybe they'll both be sprinting who knows we never remember know. are you so and uh, Kobe at like well yeah <laughs> Well, Holland's is not in the race, so they I can't have them coming the around. I wouldn't start the debate. <laughs> I would just lead him out. Otherwise, he'd get caught by Jan Polance. Jan Polance comes out of nowhere, wins TDUGC, <laughs> <laughs> all the way from Slovenia. Yeah, um, that's definitely all right. That's uh, enough for today, I think. <laughs> yes. It's a big, big corkscrew preview. Um, I've actually got a panel discussion a little bit um with ben o'connor and jay vine and matt keenan i'm hoping to talk to them about what happened today um probably a bit late to plug that because it's already happening when you're listening to it but anyway <laughs> thanks for listening as always we'll see you with the review of the course crusade tomorrow ciao Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 